I absolutely love uh, birthday parties. I don't know about you, but um, going to somebody else's party, when you get invited, there's something exciting about receiving an invitation in the very first instance. And then actually going and being a part of that birthday party. Uh, it's not a celebration for me, it's a celebration for them. But we get to share in the same celebration. We eat the same food together. We get to uh, you know, laugh over the same experiences, maybe play games at, uh, or that kind of thing at the uh, birthday party. Um, you get to eat um, one of my favorites, chocolate cake or something like that together. But there's something about sharing uh, in their celebration that's really beautiful. And the same with a wedding or any, uh, any kind of environment like that, that as we share with them, we actually get to share in the same heart of love for our friendship or for that family member together. Do you know when you actually buy a gift uh, ready for that, that birthday party or that wedding, you're thinking of a gift that might showcase your heart to their heart. It's an alignment of hearts to be able to say, uh, we are on the same page together. We, we, we love each other's company. We, we love the same things together. There's something about sharing in those things together. The title of this sermon this morning is Share in the Reward. Do you know, as we partner with mission on, uh, and missionaries on the mission front, we're not just partnering with missionary, missionaries. We're partnering with God and his heart for the lost. There's something about being invited into that space and sharing in that same reward. And there is reward. We're going to look at that this morning as far as what reward is there in sharing with God's heart, aligning with him for mission. Uh, just before we started Kingdom Come, we finished a series on Philippians. And we're going to look at the very back end passage from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, today, so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to uh, to thumb it open to Philippians chapter four, and you can also uh, put your finger in two Corinthians chapter nine as well. We're going to go there as well. Um, the Church of Philippi they supported Paul on the missionary front, and in fact, we mentioned this before. They supported him through uh, generosity, but they also supported him relationally. They they sent Epaphroditus, and they also supported him in prayer. Uh, they knew that the mission front was something that they couldn't themselves necessarily all go to, even though they sent their friend Epaphroditus on their behalf. But Paul was there and they sent their support with Paul for the mission front. And I want you to hear what Paul says in particular in response to their um, connection with the mission on the front line. We're going to have a look at verse 17 out of Philippians chapter 4. Let me read it. I'm going to read out the New King James Version for this. Not that I seek the gift, uh, that is, he, he was saying that financial aid that they had set aside, which they had provided already for Paul. He's saying, not that I seek that as being the sole thing I'm seeking, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Uh, just underline that for a moment. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Those two words in particular, fruit and account. So what fruit uh, is he talking about? Well, fruit comes from sowing. There is an intentionality where we sow uh, in the early season in order to see the fruit later on. And so uh, he's talking about some kind of outcome from their sowing. And who was sowing? Well, Paul, of course, was sowing on the mission front, but uh, all the way over the other side of 
the seas, Philippi was um, sowing financially, relationally, and also prayerfully into the mission field. And so all the victories that Paul experienced uh, on the front line are credited as a direct uh, fruit of that which those back in Philippi across the seas had already sown. You see, the victories that happen overseas on the mission front, they are fruit of your sowing, if indeed you sow. And so he says, uh, fruit, but then also an account. Well, what account? Is he talking about a bank account? Not really. He's, he's actually talking about an account that is theirs in Christ Jesus. And it's increasing. It's gathering interest. Um, it's an, an account that shares in the same reward as what Paul is uh, sharing in. You cannot share in the fruit, however, if you're not sowing. There is a very intentional effort here for us to sow. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Paul says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice in this verse he says, Seed and bread. Seed is for sowing, bread is for eating. Uh, there's a real intentionality with his, his language here. So seed has the capacity to multiply. And uh, it, when you sow it, it has the capacity to multiply 30, 60, 100 fold. The fool stores up seed for himself. And in fact, he turns it into bread for himself. But the wise person knows that if he will just sow the seed, it has the capacity to multiply Bread is our sustenance, it's our provision, and it gives us the strength to do the other, to sow the seed. And God has provided both. He's provided both the seed and the bread. And they both have a, uh, a different effect uh, as to how you use it, seed and bread. There's not one of us that God forgot to give seed or bread to. In fact, you might even think um, that... Over here, there we go. Um, that yeah, to that perhaps if you don't have anything to give, it's because uh, God forgot to give you the seed, and you're still just living off the bread. But I want to tell you that no matter where you're at, whether you've just started working right now, whether uh, you're you know financially you, you've never known another way than just to survive, He's given you seed and bread. Seed is for sowing, bread is for consumption. Uh, you know, it's our role to, to actually sow the seed for multiplication, but Jesus is the one who multiplied bread. It's a very interesting thought. So take note, Jesus puts sowing first, the act of faith. Sowing is an act of faith. And then he says, you see, eating bread is not an act of faith. Eating bread is just simply survival. But sowing seed is an act of faith. He says, first, sow the seed. In fact, he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things. What things? Your bread will be provided for. Seek first the kingdom of God. Act in faith. Sow the seed. Trust me with this. And you'll see that I provide all these other things. The sad reality is there are many believers who simply don't know to sow the seed. In fact, they consume their seed or they store up their seed thinking that the seed is just for their storehouse. So he doesn't increase your bread, he increases your seed uh, of your storehouse. Back in that uh, original verse, he says, uh, 
The, the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of what? Seed. Not bread, but seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, so we've talked about seed. Let's talk about your account that is connected with what you sow. So uh, earlier on, uh, we heard Paul says that um, not only will you have fruit, but it's also credited to your account. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus knew that many people take their seed and they store it up as their own treasure. But instead, he's encouraging us, that seed that you're given, uh, if you would only just trust in faith and if you would sow it in a way that is for the kingdom, then you'll see that your storehouse is not just for here on earth. You see, Paul talks about the storehouse being increased so we can continue to sow. But Jesus says uh, even further than that, you actually have a storehouse, an account that is opened up in heaven. Isn't that amazing? It's an account that nobody else can take away from you. And, uh, and so he, he says there's a storehouse for you in heaven. Jesus drops a key word here in verse 21. He says all these things uh, carry around one thing. This key is the heart, that your heart aligns with his. And isn't that true that when it comes to uh, giving a gift to somebody, it is all about the heart, that we're actually wanting to align our hearts with theirs. And so he's saying, if you'll align your heart with me, and not just give because you feel like you were you know, guilted. And I would never want anybody to give simply because they feel like they should. But when your heart aligns with the heart of the Father God who loves the lost, who longs to see them one for Christ, who longs to see them step in and take a hold of everything that Jesus has for them. When your heart aligns that way, you, just, you want your treasure to go in that direction to show God, my heart is aligned with yours. And so there's the key behind all of this is your heart. Is your heart connected to his heart? Is it broken like the song says? Is, is your heart broken for the things that God's heart is broken for? So let's unpack what this means when it comes to sharing his reward and why the heart really is the key word behind sowing into his kingdom. Uh, let's have a look again at Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to have a look at verse 18. I have received full payment and have more than enough. And he if we go forward a little bit, he says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before. This is an imagery that Paul uses, a fragrant offering. But listen to this. God smells your gift. Isn't that incredible? He smells your gift. Uh, Jake's just nodding his head right now. He doesn't have smell, the poor guy. And uh, he's just amazed. God smells his gift um, that even as you give uh, and sow what you have, that it becomes a beautiful offering in front of God. I've experienced something uh, similar to this at one stage. I was praying for, for one of our church family members who was not well. And I'd been praying, as had a number of people, been praying over several nights uh, for him. And as I was praying on this one particular night, uh, I was um, waiting for, uh, waiting on God and, and in fact, uh, was just 
really amazed at, um, at what God was doing in that prayer time. Uh, and, and through that time as I was praying, I just I saw uh, just this, um, well, firstly, I, I knew that God was in the midst of, of that prayer time. My, my kids had already gone to bed. Uh, it was uh, also Liz was downstairs. And so it's just me, me and God. And in this prayer time, I've never experienced this since uh, or even before, but I, I smelt a beautiful aroma of freshly baked bread. And it was the most amazing thing. I went into the kitchen to see whether there was something in the kitchen they'd been cooking that I didn't know about. No one was in the kitchen. There was nothing in there. In fact, I couldn't even smell the same fragrance of baked bread um, there. But also, when it came to uh, going back into the lounge room where I was praying, I smelt it again. And it lasted there for a whole hour as I was praying. I feel like God was giving me a window into what it actually looks like from his end to smell sacrifice, a beautiful offering. And so I just want to encourage you, as you give, there's something about giving that becomes a beautiful offering. But notice he says it's an acceptable sacrifice. You see, uh, if it's not a sacrifice, then it's not really an offering. When it comes to uh, aligning with his heart, there is an element of which uh, we give out of sacrifice. Uh, when we want to show our love for somebody, think back to the birthday gift. Uh, when, we, when we want to show our love for, say, our, our wife or maybe your girlfriend if you're, um, if you're dating right now, uh, and we want to show our love for them, uh, the more the sacrifice in the gift, the more it showcases our love for them. If it came at no cost at all, if it was leftovers, if it was a re-gifted gift, then there's something about that that doesn't quite show the love or the heart behind what we're doing. But instead, uh, it comes with sacrifice. You see, we see this modeled in many different places. Mary, when she pours the perfume, uh, a, an expensive jar of perfume that was worth a whole year's wages, maybe sixty dollars to $100,000 worth of perfume, and she pours it over Jesus' head. Judas, whose heart was not aligned with Jesus's, he says, why would she have poured out such an expensive perfume? We could have used it for the poor. And later on, one of the gospel writers says the reason he said that was because his heart was full of greed. You see, if your heart is full of something other than Christ's heart, then you'll end up questioning, why give? Why should I give such a sacrifice? Do you know, Mary modeled it, but Jesus actually gave the biggest sacrifice out of anyone uh, known to man, he gave his whole life. He sacrificed his life on the cross. He sacrificed his life for you and I. And I just want to encourage you that, um, that as Jesus modeled that same sacrifice, he's calling us in to actually carry our own cross, to take a hold of that which he has already stepped forward for. And so our gift comes with great sacrifice. It costs something. If it doesn't cost us something, then it's not really a sacrifice. Um, so I want, to, I want to encourage you that as you step out, you see our church, uh, our heart behind our church is to lead you to come, uh, to, be, to become you know, uh, deep in faith in Jesus, that your faith would come alive in him. And so here is one way that we can do that. It's stepping out in faith as we give. Um, it requires great sacrifice. If we're giving according, um, 
if we're giving according to what we have left over or what we know that we can manage, then it's not really a sacrifice. Well, let me move forward here. So lastly, in doing so, we open an account that God richly wants to reward. Let's look at how this works. So Philippians chapter 4 again, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs. You might like to say all back at home. He will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He meets our needs. It's the bread. It's the promise. Uh, Not by giving us his leftovers. Notice he says it's according to the riches of his glory that's already been laid up in Christ Jesus. What glory is that? He's been given the throne of God. He's been given uh, the name above every single name. He's the king above all kings. He has the inheritance of heaven behind him. All power and authority. It's from that storehouse that he richly gives to you to meet all your needs. It's not short. It's not uh, an area that's difficult for you to move uh, or for him to actually move in. Uh, His provision is from that glory. Further in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and I'm going to read 10 and 11 as well. uh, Paul says, and God is able to bless you. You might like to say bless. Uh, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times again there's the all having all that you need you will abound in every good work verse 10 now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness verse 11 you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion He increases your storehouse here on earth, but also increases your storehouse in heaven. And this storehouse has a multiplying effect. There's a righteousness that comes. Uh, You see, righteousness is the right kingdom order. It's the right order of heaven being laid out here on earth. When uh, When you actually give to the poor, it's the righteous work of God going out to the poor. When you heal the sick, it's the righteous order of God going out healing the sick. He increases that. You become uh, one who actually increases in the measure of um, his righteousness, the harvest of that righteousness. And so it affects your home life. It affects the mission front. It affects the mission field that you have at home. It affects um, your account in heaven. All of those things are increased simply by sowing in faith. So I want to finish off by these two verses. One's from Jesus. And one is from Paul. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The faith that you actually step into is the measure that that he uses and more so again. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, Paul says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning that when you give, uh, when you make a commitment, you're actually doing it heart to heart with Jesus. He's calling you deeper in faith. It is going to cost you something. But I tell you what, it's going to bear fruit that you could never bear on your own.